0: What if? What if? What if? What if what the Bible says is true?
1: And Jesus is who he said he was
0: the promised Messiah, the Lamb of God sacrificed on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to, pay the
1: to satisfy the righteous requirements of an infinitely holy God. Holy God save us from the judgment and the hell
0: our sins, our sins
1: greatly deserve what if what if what if what if
0: would you bet your life against it it's something to think about
1: it's, it's something to think something to think about That a cleansing of the idiot ideology of the pallid, incompetent Christ is uh, in order. In concert news, shock metal band Charles Monroe has unleashed a new firestorm of controversy. Religious groups including Buddhists, Taoists, Shintoists, Unitarians, followers of the Dalai Lama, and a smattering of Episcopalians have begun to organize protests outside of venues where Monroe will be performing their most recent release, Fat-Bellied Buddha. MTTV was allowed in to see just what all the fuss is about.
0: Despite attempts to shut down Monroe's performance by labeling his theatrics as hate crime, the anti buddhist superstar was up to his same old tricks before a capacity audience in Omaha Thursday night. We will no longer rub the belly of this fat, jolly team. As in other venues throughout the tour, audience enthusiasm reached a fever pitch during the now infamous Buddha Smashing that precedes the band's performance of their hit song, Kurtz Not in Nirvana. We will make our own Nirvana! When later asked to defend his controversial stage show, Monroe characteristically responded, it's art and needs no defense and then extended his middle finger to a saffron-robed monk and said, here, meditate on this.
1: Not too likely, is it? But why is such an event so absurd as to be, well, laughable? And why is it that if we were to substitute Jesus for the Buddha, it would move from hyperbole to reality, from a joke to the way things really are?
0: will no longer be oppressed by the fascism of Christianity!
1: It should come as no surprise that among self-aware Satanists, the Jesus of the Bible, both his person and his teachings, are variously mocked, perverted, and despised clearly he is the enemy and standing against his divine authority becomes the first order of business for the spirit of antichrist for example in
0: 1916
1: alistair crowley Perhaps the century's most infamous occultist created a ritual to banish the, quote, dying God of Christianity and inaugurate what he became among the first to term the New Aeon or New Age. Central to this ceremony was the use of a frog that was baptized, worshiped, and then crucified with the words, Lo, Jesus of Nazareth, how thou art taken in my snare. All my life thou hast plagued and affronted me. I blot thee out from the earth. Thine aeon is past. The age of Horus is arisen by the magic of the master, the great beast that is man. And his number is 666. After mocking the crucifixion, Crowley's great law was intoned, Do what thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. More incredible blasphemies were uttered, and then, and this is very significant, the frog was killed with the dagger of art, while intoning the words, Into my hands I receive thy spirit. Well... The great beast would have longed to see this day. What was once the underground purview of a handful of occultists, drug addicts and freaks, has been literally forged into a dagger of art and thrust into the heart of Western culture. Who designed your new t-shirt? Uh,
0: you mean the one with the demon, uh, the, the beasty guy strangling Jesus? and His heart's glowing, blood's coming out of his eyes. That's the one. Yeah, I thought of that one.
1: Again and again, music and art have been forged with the express purpose of storming the very gates of heaven. Man, Concerning
0: his 1996
1: release, Antichrist Superstar, Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson, declared, I think every time people listen to this new album, maybe God will be destroyed in their heads. And Alternative Press Magazine described Die War Zah as a band that uses computers, synthesizers, and guitars as weapons aimed directly at the heart of Christianity. Their techno-pagan rhythm signatures interact with human brainwaves in order to revive paganism and subvert Christian myth. The band's stated goal, according to founder Jim Marcus, we want to hasten the final evolution of the human species. I look forward to the day when, on December 25th, we celebrate the death of Christianity. While few people would be as direct as this in their hatred of Christianity, a kind of low-grade contemptuousness, particularly on college campuses, has become fairly common. So let's peel open this onion, shall we? Let me go ahead and voice what some of you are thinking. Uh, My thoughts on Christ or Christianity? Uh, Personally, I believe it was created to instill fear. It was also used to force people into war, saying, well, these people are doing evil things. You should, you know, now God says that we should go and kill them.
0: Christians have condemned everything that wasn't them um... they persecuted people because they thought they were different they found stupid little ways to kill people. How about the dark ages? We had a thousand years where the the church, God, had t- totally permeated society and nothing went anywhere.
1: Hooray for science and the Enlightenment. Good riddance to Christianity with its wars, crusades, witch burning, slavery, colonialism, aversion to the hard facts of science, exclusive truth claims, moral demands, hypocrites, and doctrines of judgment and hell. Did I miss anything? Well, it would take hours to fully diffuse all these charges, but I trust that what follows will be adequate for those who are not willfully skeptical. And for those who are, I hope you'll be able to hold your aversion to Christianity in check and at least finish the series. Perhaps God himself in his mercy will convince you somewhere else along the way. Number one, no doubt about it, terrible things have been done in the name of Christ. But that's no reflection on Jesus and his teachings. It's an indictment of sinful men. I can cite hundreds of examples. One will have to suffice. Concerning the practice during the Crusades of forcing people to convert under threat of death, well, Jesus told his followers, you know that those who are considered rulers lord it over them. It shall not be so among you, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Elsewhere, God declared that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. To use violence to affect conversions is to get it just about as wrong as is possible. G.K. Chesterton put it well when he observed that these problems arise not because the Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting, but rather because in certain instances it has been found difficult and left untried. And then there's a related point. Number two, when man's wrath is substituted for God's love, the so-called Christians who are doing it, as we've just seen, are being completely inconsistent with the truth they're obligated to obey. But now consider the flip side. For example, the over 100 million people who've been killed by atheists during the 20th century alone. Their actions can be, and often are, perfectly consistent with their, quote, truth.
0: Hitler,
1: Hitler. Hitler, Stalin and Mao, for example, were acting in a manner congruent with their acceptance of Darwinian materialism when they murdered some 50 million, quote, products of random mutation, end quote, in a sincere effort to build a more perfect society. We need to keep these things firmly in mind if we're to honestly assess the lessons of history. Number three it's flagrantly dishonest to overlook the great blessings brought to the world as Christian principles have been faithfully practiced. Modern science, the abolition of slavery, care for the poor, hospitals, orphanages, universal education, free market economics, and the Protestant work ethic, women's and racial equality, child labor laws, concern for the environment, the inspiration for beautiful and enduring works of art, music, literature, and architecture, the rule of law, civil liberty, religious freedom, the Magna Carta, and American Constitution, on and on, these are all byproducts of the Christian faith. Some people may want to deny it, millions more simply ignore it, but the fact remains. And if the testimony of history isn't enough, just go to the villages and towns of the third world and find out who's really down in the trenches working to alleviate suffering. Too far to travel? Well then check out what's going on in your own hometown. Again, who's doing most of the work to feed the hungry, care for the orphan, or bring hope to those in prison? Swallow hard, it's been going on for 2,000 years. Perhaps the best way to cut through all the statics surrounding this issue is to ask a very fundamental question. Forget for just a moment all the hype, all the noise and pressure to be cool and embrace a rock and roll lifestyle, and to even look down your nose at Christianity. And ask yourself, if you were dying and needed blood, from whom would you prefer to get it? From a rebel or a disciple of God? Here I'll use myself as an example. Until I was 26, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. As a result, I would have had a number of risk factors based upon the screening you're given when you donate blood. Then I became a Christian and sought to follow God and keep His commandments. Is it just a coincidence that the lifestyle He has ordained for man now makes me an optimum donor? So seriously, if you were dying, from which world, from which Eric, would you want a transfusion? You see, the truth and the life is in the blood. Guess who to the
0: rescue on our holy mission to uphold the tradition of a Spanish Inquisition and preemp your decision. By forcing your confession, now let that be a lesson you think messenger.:
1: There may be other knots in people's minds concerning Christianity. We haven't time to unravel them all. but keep something in mind. Many brilliant skeptics, from the Apostle Paul to Malcolm Muggeridge, have become devoted followers of Christ. Examine your objections honestly and with humility. Could they possibly be just an excuse for unbelief? Take as just one last example the very common and quite enlightening charge of hypocrisy
0: christianity it's it's about money and they're just a bunch, a bunch of hypocrites. hypocrites
1: i think they're just give me your stuff religion they just want to take it and take it
0: for themselves neighbors let us join today in the holy love of god and money because neighbors no one loves you like he loves you and what better way to show your love than to dig deep into your pockets dig real deep and give till it hurts it's a front they put up just to make people think that they're good because they go to church. It's nothing but a bunch of ignorance and hypocrisy. I had become heavily involved in the church of divine love. fucking demon horse! We spent most of our time listening to inspirational tapes and demonstrating against schools which taught tolerance of homosexuals. We got arrested too. Jesus.
1: First off, keep in mind that the only hypocrisy that will be judged by God when you stand before Him will be your own. Don't cop out and try to hide behind someone else's sin. It doesn't work. And as for the charge that the visible church is made up of imperfect people, including the occasional bold-faced hypocrite, well, no question about it. And those hypocrites will have a lot to answer for when they stand before a God who both sees all things and has a zero tolerance threshold for impenitent hypocrisy. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Soon I discovered that this rock thing was true. Jesus was the devil. But again, don't strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. For every high profile minister who's been caught living a lie. There are tens of thousands of good men and women who quietly go about doing their best to faithfully love God and their neighbors as themselves. What is it about our culture that drives people to ignore this far greater good while fixating on the occasional bad? And again, don't forget that the bad comes about because people are unfaithful to Christian principles, not as a result of following them. But do you know what's even more interesting? It's what happens when we turn this around. Why can artists get rich promoting lifestyles that hurt people and that poison the waters of popular culture, but because they love their mama or do an occasional benefit?
0: My friends, my ex lovers, people that I haven't even met that die from this disease.
1: Or periodically sing a thoughtful and virtuous song. Well, suddenly, that pound of good becomes more important than the ton of bad. Where's the hypocrite patrol when you really need them? The foundational issue here, however, is ultimately not an organization, but a person, and what he accomplished on a cross 2,000 years ago. And it's here, from music to album artwork, video imagery, To the lifestyles and testimonies of both the artists and their fans, where rock and roll has targeted virtually every aspect of Christ's redemptive work. His name, his birth, his word, his crown of thorns, his last supper, his blood, his character, his love, his uniqueness, his divinity, His power to save, and the faith he gave his life to establish have all been systematically ridiculed, denied, or diminished. Techniques used include the standard full tilt boogie assault. downward to include what radical tactician Saul Alinsky called man's most potent weapon, ridicule, as in this comedy sketch that appeared during the closing credits of the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards. After the work's over, God's just a blast to hang out with. You're
0: God. You're God. Come on, let me get a God sandwich going! <laughs> oh with my God! Drums with me. Oh my God! It's Busta Rhymes! Jesus! How many times I got to tell you not to come in here when I'm in the studio, boy? I'm sorry, Father,
1: but could I get a picture with him, please? Did you do all your chores? Yes, Father, I performed three miracles today. What about those starving children in Africa? Oh, damn! I, I knew I forgot something. Boy, get your... Oh. Out of here. Ironically, today's popular music embraces, even glorifies, criminals, perverts, gangsters, occultists, mass murderers, even Satan... As well as every pagan, New Age, and Eastern religion known to man. It is my most profound
0: honor to welcome the Dalai Lama.
1: But when it comes to the Son of God, the one who came and died for the sins that the culture of rock and roll applauds, well, what happened 2,000 years ago has happened again. There's no room for him at the end.
0: My feet stay, and I don't
1: love oh, Lord. Consider, for example, the central event of Jesus' life and the stark, awful scaffold upon which that event unfolded the cross. For this cause I was born, the Messiah told his executioners, and this cause to atone, to pay the price for the sins of the whole world or as Jesus had explained it to his disciples the night before, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. As human beings, our universal tendency is to view ourselves as essentially good, and our sins, if we even use the term, as forgivable when weighed against our good works and our good intentions. Like it or not, however, the Bible paints a very different picture.
0: It's the story of a man named Grady, who liked to grade himself upon a curve, and he found that, when compared to others, he wasn't such a perv.
1: Instead of grading on a curve, comparing us as we tend to do with other people, especially really bad people, the Bible declares that our self-righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God who judges every thought, word, and deed done and left undone against the standard of heaven, by definition, the criterion of absolute perfection. And against this entrance exam, we've all failed we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The cross is God's ultimate and only solution to the problem of how to redeem us from the necessary penalty for our crimes. How to break the power of sin and to ransom us from the tyranny of the Lord of that sin. And it's here where the pattern of hatred for Christ and the cross begins to make some sense. The cross is not only the greatest symbol of God's love, it also represents our sin and our need to repent and turn our lives over to God. And it represents Satan's defeat, the gladiatorial arena where Jesus disarmed the spiritual forces of evil and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. It's no wonder that Satan despises the cross and will do everything he can to discredit or diminish it. Behold the crucifix. What does it symbolize? Paladin competence hanging on a tree.
0: Because I had the altars of the Druids long before the cross came, and the altars of the Druids will be there long after the cross is gone. Whether the Christians like to accept it or not, he did once, and the cross came by. And passed by my window, and I seen it go by, and I said, Ah, oh, Christ was
1: a little God.
0: Ah, because that was where they hung that <laughs> <and> last. <laughs> oh.
1: Should we be surprised that among the hundreds of bands that embrace some form of an openly satanic worldview, this hatred of Christ and his cross is a blatant and recurring theme?
0: I can't not fall, can't I'm crucifying Jesus, banging in the nails, and I am so happy because old Jesus failed. I'm crucifying Jesus.
1: We could go on listing example after example of this type of hell-breathed sacrilege. Artists and bands who almost seem to write, record, and perform for no other reason than to blaspheme Christ, His cross, and every facet of the atonement. By suggesting that Jesus suffered for His own sins, that His body underwent decay, Or that Satan won instead of being defeated at Calvary. By obsessively writing and singing about little else than their hatred of Christ, giving voice to blasphemies so unholy, so monumentally evil, that it's as if all the venom in hell had been distilled down to an elixir of pure malevolence. And then injected into their brains. These bands not only seek to turn reality on its head, in the end, they and the demons they serve doth protest too much. Like darkness clamoring to negate the light, their very words and existence only serve to demonstrate, and by virtue of the contrast, in the end, even glorify, the very reality they seek to deny as in this extraordinary song by the band, Emolation, After reciting hymns of praise from the Bible, including Psalm 68, cloud, to glory, bring to Psalm 148, name, and even acknowledging the great truth found in Psalm 2, that God is enthroned upon the praises of His people, the band responds with, praise. And then intones a satanic malediction. You are And if you would like a t-shirt to go with the song, the band is only too happy to oblige. Well, once again, you can't kill someone who's not alive. Yeah. It's a- And then there are the musicians who lack either the nerve or the absolute hardness of heart to openly, as one band sang, deny the cross, but who think nothing of using its evocative power to serve their own vulgar purposes. Johnny Rotten, for example, besides striking his own crucifixion pose, helped design a shirt that featured an upside-down Christ and cross along with the word destroy. A shirt that Mick Jagger later wore on stage during the Stones 81 World Tour.
0: Don't believe in Jesus.
1: John Lennon doodled a crucified Jesus, revealing just one other facet of his Antichrist philosophy when he then described it as a form of exhibitionism. Madonna put an even sicker spin on Calvary when she informed Spin Magazine that, crucifixes are sexy because there's a naked man on them. And if trying to make the cross an icon of perverted sexuality wasn't horrific enough, Madonna has also suggested that Jesus was a pervert Having got it on with Mary Magdalene. An opinion, by the way, shared by Tori Amos, who also made the profoundly demonic suggestion that Jesus' father was not God, but a male who impregnated Mary during a pagan ceremony and who was then sacrificed in a fertility ritual. Along much the same lines, in a conversation with Sandra Bernhard that appeared in Interview Magazine, Amos wondered, who knows? Maybe you were there. Who knows? You might have blanked him. I don't really doubt it. God, sometimes you just to... don't come Do you
0: need a woman to look after
1: The Bible offers us a profound insight into this willingness, even fascination, with mocking Christ and the cross, an insight that can be used to accurately diagnose one's true spiritual condition. The scriptures declare the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, mocking the cross is evidence that a person is spiritually dead. And it's the Lord of death, Satan who inspires this mockery through his incessant drive to pervert man's image of God, truth, sin, and redemption. Against this, the Bible then states, but for those who are called to be saved, the cross is the power of God. Understanding this, we should each ask ourselves one of life's ultimate questions. What is the cross to us? The very power of God, something viewed with awe, respect, and obedience? Or is it an object of indifference or ridicule? If you're not sure, but instead are drawn to and enjoy these types of artists and attitudes, then that question has probably already been answered.
0: Sign up the It'll make us feel real boss.
1: And there's another, more subtle and perhaps even more significant way that the word of the cross is made foolish in today's popular culture. Besides the outright blasphemies, besides the profane way it's trotted out in videos, album covers, rock god poses, and stage sets,
0: The Easter show was my actually my topless debut. They had me tied to the cross, and it was all business.
1: By far, the most common way the cross is used is as a decoration for people's bodies. From jewelry to tattoos, the cross is literally everywhere. And when you couple this with all the thank yous made to God on album covers and in award ceremonies, and then factor in the prayer that is offered up by many bands before they take the stage, and sometimes even after, Jesus, it is you
0: who wakes me up every day.
1: One could easily mistake the rock music industry for some form of quasi-Christian cult. But what's really going on in all of this? Again, is it being used reverently as an awesome symbol of the power of God unto salvation? Think about it. The cross was the bloody scaffold upon which the Son of God was tortured and killed for our sins. What if it had been an electric chair or guillotine? Would we be wearing miniature versions of them around our necks? or tattooed on our arms? In truth, the blatant attacks against the cross by some artists demonstrate just how seriously they view what happened at Calvary. By contrast, the word of the cross is being made more foolish, more silly and vain by those who would trivialize it as a mere piece of jewelry, a good luck charm, or a religious symbol drained of its true meaning. And this type of desecration becomes all the more intense when the cross is made an accessory to sin. When, in the words of philosopher-playwright Albert Camus, it's being climbed up on so that rock stars, instead of Christ, can be glorified. And when, countless times a day, it's worn while committing acts for which Jesus ultimately had to die. How Satan must enjoy the irony. And it's here where another spiritual truth needs to be understood in relation to the cross, a critically important fact that has been all but lost in our touchy feely relativistic age. Not only does the cross represent God's love and holiness, not only does it demonstrate the true cost of sin and Jesus' willingness to lay down his life for his friends, and not only does the cross stand for the defeat of Satan and the power of sin, it also represents the death and subsequent resurrection of being born again for every true son and daughter of God. I have been crucified with Christ, the Apostle Paul said. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. For if we, speaking of Christians, have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, or sinful nature, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And finally, Jesus stated, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it." And so the true cross represents not only the death of Jesus, but also the death of self. It means that we've picked up our cross, lost our life, our right to do things our way, and we are now following the Lord. And so, like wearing the Purple Heart when one has never even been in battle, Evoking the imagery of the cross while one's life and art is a virtual celebration of self and worldliness is the worst form of hypocrisy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies in hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Hard words, no doubt, but keep in mind that they were given to sound an alarm, to alert people to the winds of spiritual subterfuge that blow through this fallen world. And that gracious warning was meant to also help the artists, many of them no doubt gifted and sincere, who become conduits for these very deceptions.
0: This is a song about the greatest man who ever lived.
1: Prince, for example, has spoken very directly about his belief in Jesus, even composing a number of songs that reference certain aspects of Christian faith.
0: We all have a problem, oh yes. Some be, some small. If we can bear the problems, he said we can. We live the in the last in life of
1: but these glimmers of light are swallowed up in the darkness of both a lifestyle and a body of art that has but one overarching theme run away, do your own thing, and hence, by definition, anti Christ sexuality. I don't know. Ditto Lenny Kravitz, who frequently references God.
0: I'd like to thank God for blessing me with music and making this possible.
1: As well as the occasional passage of scripture.
0: None of us are perfect. Uh, We all fall short of the glory.
1: And has written a number of songs with the stated intent of pointing people to Jesus.
0: Are You Gonna Go My Way way? was written about Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate rock star and rebel.
1: But, like Prince, his version of Christianity is far more Gnostic than Christian. Where obedience is reduced to... With the rub dub being taken quite literally in what are among the most sexually debauched music videos ever produced. Perhaps even more significantly... Faith itself is reduced to some vague state of mind and is directed as much towards oneself as it is God. And then there's Rock's renaissance man, Moby. Again, he's been very vocal about his, quote, love for Christ. In my own strange way, I'm a Christian in that I really love Christ. And Acknowledging even his divinity, at least sort of. But I really do love Christ and recognize him in whatever capacity that I can understand it as God. But once again, his brand of rock and roll faith means never having to love Jesus so much that you might actually have to obey him having performed naked, dated strippers and prostitutes, DJed for copulating ravers, urinated on the food at a record label party, and extolled the virtues of pornography. Moby understated his case a bit when he admitted that when he aspires to live according to the teachings of Christ, or at least some of them, he unfortunately has to be a bit selective. From Tom and Mark of Blink 182, R. Kelly, Destiny's Child, U2, Puffy Combs, Britney Spears, TLC, DMX, Christina Aguilera, LL Cool J, we could go on and on and on, citing examples of pop artists who have modeled this pick and choose, the word of the cross made foolish style of Christianity. Imagine being in an orchestra and then blowing off the conductor and playing what and how you wanted to play. You wouldn't last too long, would you? Well, does God somehow deserve less? Look, this is not complicated. God is God, and we're not. In fact, not only are we not divinities, we're classified 4F, fallen, fallible, finite, and foolish. God in his love and mercy has provided a way out of this mess, but it's a way that Jesus described as being narrow, and then contrasted it with the way of the crowd, where the gate is wide and the path broad that leads to destruction, and that there are many who travel on it. That narrow gate is the cross, the one that the Messiah died on, and the one we pick up as we die to ourselves and follow him. And so, what is the cross to you? Through which of the two gates are you walking? And if you were to die and stand before the one whom sin nailed to a cross, what would you say? All by her yard.